Hello, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of the Kettlecast with your host, Forrest Willoughby. On this episode of the cast, we'll be talking about the Hawks' 94-80 win over the Miami Heat. After a 10-0 run from the Heat doomed the Hawks in their previous game, the Hawks got an 11-1 run from Trey Young to clinch this game in Miami. I'll also talk about the Hawks dismissing Coach Lloyd Pierce. Let's get into it. The Hawks moved to 15-20 and 20 and have one more game before the All-Star break, but it was nice to see the Hawks come back and beat the Miami Heat after losing to the Miami Heat on Sunday night. Um, the Hawks got really nice performances from Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Clint Capella. They also got a nice performance from uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who came back, and uh, Aneka Okongwu had a really nice game, and it looked like him and... Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich have a little bit of chemistry, but the Hawks held the Miami Heat to season lows in points, rebounds, and assists. Some of that was just the pace of this game, which was ridiculously slow. The Hawks got up 71 attempts while Miami got 75 attempts up, but this was just a slow game, a really low-scoring game. The Heat were playing a zone for the majority of the game, and the Hawks really couldn't figure it out. But to the Hawks' credit, they really stifled the Heat's offense and really limited the amount of points the Heat had. The Heat only had 37 points in that first half, which was a low this season, and that was the best defense that the Hawks had played in a first half of basketball this season as well. The Heat would make their best effort in the third quarter. They got really nice contributions from Duncan Robinson, who had not been particularly good in the first game that the Heat had against the Hawks um, or in that first half, but he came out and hit a couple of threes, and then Tyler Hero came in and hit some threes for the Heat as well. The Heat were able to use that momentum to take a one-point lead into the fourth quarter, and it looked like, you know, again, another winnable game on the road for the Hawks, but were they going to able to were they going to be able to get the win? Were they going to be able to finish this game off? The Heat scored the first bucket in the fourth period, but then the Hawks tied it on a three-pointer, and it was sort of back and forth from there. Um The Hawks were able to play a second unit that did not have Trey Young in it for the first half of the fourth quarter. And then Trey Young was able to come in when the game was tied at 73 with seven minutes to go. And then Trey was just masterful at the end of the game. He kind of got one. He got Kendrick Nunn on him. He did a little step back, hit a three-pointer. And then Trey proceeded to hit two more three-pointers and then a little bit, a little floater in the paint for an 11-point run himself that put the Hawks up for good and really iced out this victory. It was really nice to see Trey uh, get so involved in the fourth quarter because he had not been playing particularly good offensive ball up to then. He had let his teammates do his thing. The the Heat zone really did a good job of taking Trey out of what he normally wants to do, which is um, get three-pointers, get one-on-ones, get to his pick and roll and lob to teammates. But for Trey to not really get frustrated in those first three quarters, and then when his team really need him, hit those big three pointers, um, it was it was really great to see. I thought the Hawks just did a nice job of um, not getting frustrated on the offensive end and really locking down on the defensive end. They held the Miami Heat to seven to thirty seven percent shooting from the field, twenty seven percent shooting from three point land. The Heat only hit nine of thirty three three pointers. Um, And then on the glass, it was just really strong performances from Clint Capella and John Collins. Atlanta out-rebounded the Heat 47-26. to Um, You know, the slow pace and the 
Heat's inability to get rebounds also reflected in their assists. They had 15 assists compared to the Hawks' 26. The one area that the Hawks really kind of dodged a bullet or um, didn't really get hurt by was the number of turnovers. The Hawks had 23 turnovers, including 16 steals by the uh, Miami Heat. Now, this game got a little bit frenetic, frenetic in a couple of different parts, and it would, the Hawks would have a breakaway, they'd miss it, and the Heat would get a steal. The, steal, the Heat would take that breakaway, get down all the way to the other end of the court and mess up the layup, or the Hawks would steal it and it'd go back and forth a few times. But the Heat, for whatever reason, just weren't able to take advantage of a lot of the turnovers they created. Um, at the end of the fourth, or in the fourth quarter and in the third quarter, they were able to get back into the game because of it. But they weren't able to build a big lead or do anything that really would uh, keep the Hawks from getting the win. Some of the strong performances from the Hawks, Trey Young, he was 5 of 12 from the field, 4 of 9 for three-point land, three of those coming in the fourth quarter for 18 points. He had three rebounds, 10 assists. I thought a big thing for Trey is he had four fouls, and to me that's actually encouraging. He seemed engaged on the defensive end of the ball. He uh, had a nice, like, uh, what ultimately ended up being a jump ball between him and Kelly Olenek when he got switched on to Kelly Olenek on the perimeter. Uh, Kelly sort of like misdribbled the ball and Trey went after it. And it ended up in a jump ball between Trey Young, who's six foot, and Kelly Olenek, who's like 6'11. But uh, Trey just seemed a lot more engaged. He, he had a foul where uh, one of the Heat had a breakaway, and so he took the foul on that. But I thought Trey was just making his effort on the defensive side of the ball. He had one steal. He did have eight turnovers, and the turnovers continue to be something to watch with Trey. Um, Trey's always going to have turnovers, and you don't want him to have zero turnovers because that means he's not making the aggressive passes that really get his teammates open and get easy looks for his teammates. But eight turnovers is a lot, and um, sometimes Trey will just go for these home run plays that really are not there where uh, he'll get caught in the air or he'll try to make a, a, a really ridiculous lob. In fact, uh, one of his lobs in this game against the Heat, he missed so poorly, which is not normal for Trey, but he missed so poorly that it almost banked in. Um, but Trey, you know, 10 assists, eight, or 8 turnovers, that's fine ratio. I just like to see Trey maybe cut those turnovers down to 5 or or um, something a little bit smaller than 8. But uh, really strong performance and really strong fourth quarter from the third-year guard out of Oklahoma for the Hawks. Kevin Herter had a solid game. He was 6 of 13 from the field. Had one of five on his three-pointers for, um, and three of three from the free-throw line. He had two rebounds and assists. He had two turnovers. I thought Kevin Herter is at his best when he's hunting his own shot, uh, when he gets the ball and either pulls a three or gets right to the middle of the paint and raises up for his little paint jumper. That's when he's at his best, and I thought he could have gotten to the paint jumper even a little bit more against the Heat. He did it one time. Um, and he also had an and one, which was extremely encouraging, but he, when he gets to the middle of the paint, he doesn't need to like automatically be looking for three point shooters. The Hawks did a lot of, uh, doing a good job of getting into the middle of the zone and then passing out of it to the perimeter where the heat were able to, uh, really re relocate and reset their defense. Um, but I thought Kevin Herter did a good job of, of being a secondary ball handler for the Hawks. Clint Capella played 30 minutes, 5 of 10 from the field. He had 17 rebounds, 7 of those offensive. He did have 5 turnovers, 
and in particular uh capella can get into turnovers if he tries to like pass it a little bit too much or if he likes to dribble he sometimes gets the ball a little too far from the basket and wants to take one dribble to the basket and his dribbling is just not there i mean he's almost seven feet tall but um again kind of like kevin herter i like to see clint capilla Clint Capella get the ball, maybe take one dribble and you know dunk the ball or, or put it up off the basket. It's funny, Clint Capella really prefers to do a reverse or go off the backboard instead of just dunking it. Um, but he had a nice game, and again he came in at the end of the game and really secured the boards. And the Heat were weren't able to do anything with him. Um, the Heat had Kelly Olynyk guarding Clint Capella for a lot of the game, and that just wasn't a good matchup for the Heat. John Collins only played 27 minutes. He didn't play a lot of the fourth quarter because of uh, what Coach Nate McMillan said about he just didn't fit the matchup at the time. But uh, J.C. was 6 of 12 from the field, 1 of 5 from three-point land. His three was a beautiful play where the Hawks moved the ball all the way around the perimeter, found John Collins in the corner, and John Collins nailed it. Um, But 1 of 5 from three-point land, hit 4 of 5 free throws for 17 points, had 7 rebounds, one of those offensive Snell got the game going for the Hawks. He hit three threes in the first quarter. He was four or five from the field with uh, three rebounds, two assists, uh, three three-pointers, and 11 points ultimately. The bench, all of the bench was in the positive in the plus-minus category, which is hugely encouraging for any Hawks uh, game. If the bench is able to come in and give positive effort, most more likely than not, the Hawks are going to get a win. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich had his return to this game. He played 16 minutes. He was on a minute restriction. He was 2 of 5 from the field, 1 of 4 from three-point land. His other shot was basically a 3, but I guess his foot was on the line um, for 5 points. He also had 4 assists. Those assists are huge because finding a secondary ball handler behind Trey Young has been tough for the Hawks, and for uh, Bogdan to be out there and dishing assists is just huge. He had a really nice dump off to Aneka Kangwu where he got all the way in the paint, found Akangwu who was able to dunk it. Um, it appeared that Bogdanovich and Akangwu have a little bit of chemistry, which was good to see. Akangwu had 10 minutes. I thought it was kind of one of his best performances this season. His best stretch was in the fourth quarter. He was 3-3 three three from the field, had six points, three rebounds, and one steal. And it was the most confident I had seen Akangwu this entire season. It never looked like he was... Uh, looking to the vets to know where he was supposed to be or he he ever like didn't know where he was supposed to be he appeared to be where he was uh where he's supposed to the entire time I think it helped that he was going up against another rookie and precious Achua on the heat but it was really nice to see a Kongwu uh, play so effectively he had a nice duck in where Trey Young found him in the first half where a smaller player was on him a Kongwu got behind him and Trey just lobbed it to him and a Kongwu was able to put it in so really strong from the bench. The Hawks bench um, scored 28 points and only was outscored by two points from the Heat that he got 30 points from their bench. And, uh, or excuse me, those are paint points. The Hawks were outscored by two points in the paint by the Heat. The bench had 22 points for the Hawks, 28 points from Miami. If the Hawks are able to get anything over 20 points from their bench, it's, it's really, really effective. And I thought all the players off the bench for the Hawks played well. For the Heat, after being extremely effective in that first game, Kendrick Nunn did not have a particularly good game. He was 3 of 12 from the field for 6 points. He did have 3 steals. Bam Adebayo had a rough game. He had 11 points on 3 of 8 shooting and only had 2 rebounds. Um, Just showed you the dominance again of the Hawks' bigs. 
Uh, Duncan Robinson was 5 of 11, 4 of 9 from three-point line for 14 points. Tyler Hero, who had led all players with plus-minus in the first game against the Hawks, was 3 of 12 from the field and uh, was the lowest of all players. He was minus 18. The Heat were minus 18 when Tyler Hero was on the court. He did have four steals. And then finally, Precious Achua, who had had 14 points in that first game, only had two points in this one and missed both of his free throws. After going five, after going six of seven against the Hawks in that first game, so the Hawks got some nice per- performances from their players that overachieved from that previous game, and then the Heat had some really poor performances. Um, again, I think that fourth quarter was really encouraging from the Hawks. They had really kind of controlled the game, but not blown it open in the first half, and just how low scoring and slow it was. It, it could have been. Uh, really dangerous, and it was. The Heat came out and hit a bunch of three-pointers to get right back into the game and sort of undo all that good work. But the Hawks came back. They trusted their leader, got Trey Young going, and were able to close out the fourth quarter. So big 94-80 point win for the Hawks. They have one more game before the All-Star break um, where they're able to maybe get up to 16-20. and 20. Right now they're 15-20, and 20, and they're still in that playoff hunt. The the Eastern Conference standings are so close right now that there's like four games between 12th place and 4th place. It's it's wild. So the Hawks need to keep working. They play the Magic tonight, and uh, then they'll be off for the All-Star break where they should be able to get a nice break because no Hawks are taking part in any events during the All-Star break that is in Atlanta. But um, really nice win, and it was good to see the Hawks bounce back after that tough loss to the same Miami Heat on Sunday, come back and get a win on Tuesday. The Hawks dismissed coach Lloyd Pierce on Monday and Nate McMillan uh, was elevated to interim head coach and was head coach for the Hawks as they got that win in Miami. But coach Lloyd Pierce had two and a half seasons with the Hawks and uh, over those two and a half seasons he amassed a 64 wins to 120 losses record as the Hawks head coach he was 29 and 53 his first season he was 20 and 47 in the pandemic shortened second season and then he was 15 and 20 up to this point for the Hawks in this season he came in being a defensive minded coach and a coach known for his player development Um, one thing that really stood out to me about his time as a Hawks head coach is that those two teams before this year both finished at the bottom of how many points per game that the uh, opponent scored. Um, the Hawks scored themselves. They were 12th his first season in offense. They were 17th in offense last year, and this year they're 17th. This year in defense, they're 16th. So he had made a little bit of a jump. And I don't know if it's 100% fair to put it all on Coach Pierce for those first two seasons the defense because let's look at some of the centers that the Hawks had during that time. They did have Dwayne Dedman for parts of those two seasons. But other than Dwayne Dedman, they had Deontay Davis, Alex Lynn, Miles Plumley, Bruno Fernando, and Damian Jones until they got Clint Capella this year. So, you know, I don't know that uh, Lloyd Pierce had a lot to work with on the defensive end. He A lot of what he was doing these first two seasons was getting a lot of playing time to young players, including Trey Young, Kevin Herter, John Collins, and I thought he did a pretty good job of that. Um, I wonder about the timing of this dismissal. I kind of think if the Hawks had had a normal season last year um, and a normal offseason, I wonder if the front office would have 
uh, fired Floyd Pierce at that point because this at this point, I mean, Bogdan Bogdanovich played in the very next game after Lloyd Pierce was dismissed, and there's no doubt that the Hawks would have benefited from having Bogdanovich back. Um, they've been hit by injuries in this season, and before DeAndre Hunter went down, the Hawks were 10-9 and and seemed to be playing some really good basketball. But there was an article in The Athletic talking about how Coach Pierce never really connected with his young players. In fact, it, ha- it said that he had kind of disagreements with Trey Young, John Collins, and Cam Reddish. And it's going to be tough for a coach to be able to continue to be the coach when you don't have great relationships with kind of three of your core players. Um, I am interested in that report because everything I heard from Coach Pierce in his uh, post-game conferences and, and talking about his team, he always seemed one, like one of the people who's most high on Cam Reddish. The article didn't really talk about it, how, about how good that DeAndre Hunter had become and didn't really have anything to say about DeAndre Hunter's relationship with uh, Coach Pierce. But it was clear that Coach Pierce never really connected with Trey Young in um, in particular. And it's going to be tough for any team, for any coach to be able to stay as head coach when their best player and them do not have an awesome relationship. Um, Lloyd Pierce was the first hire that Travis Schlenk made. He made that higher before we even drafted Trey Young and I distinctly remember after Trey Young was drafted one of the first things coach Pierce had to do was actually call uh, Dennis Schroeder who was still on the team at that point and talk to him about potentially what his role was going to be on the Hawks after the Hawks clearly just drafted their point guard of the future and so Pierce has been here through a lot of just growing pains for the Atlanta Hawks I thought he was kind of a great growing coach um, but it was always going to be tough for him to be around for the long term especially this being his first head coaching job and with uh players not really like coach Lloyd Pierce just didn't have a reputation before coming to Atlanta as some really renowned head coach he did he is part of team USA and he is on coach Popovich staff there but um he wasn't some coach that was a known commodity even Nate McMillan who coach Pierce went and convinced to come be on his bench this year um, Nate McMillan has coached 12 years in the NBA um, and Lloyd Pierce was getting his first experience with the Hawks um, these first three seasons um, it you know I thought coach Pierce was always very transparent I thought he was uh, clear on what he was expecting of his guys and what uh, he wanted to see from his team and I thought he was one of the guys who put pressure on the team this season that probably contributed to coach Pierce being um, let go he went out and stated that he thought that this should be a playoff team and um, that the Hawks had the talent to compete. But it's brutal when the Hawks don't have a lot of uh, depth when everyone they signed this offseason seemed to get hurt. hurt. And DeAndre Hunter, who's making the biggest step of any of these young guys this season, um, also gets injured as well. So kind of brutal luck for Pierce that way. But Coach Pierce had had an article in The Athletic just two days before when he talked with uh, Jeff Schultz and one of the quotes from the piece is that he knew that his time as a coach, he was going to get fired at some point Um, as a coach. You're never going to be around forever unless you're coach uh, Popovich um, or Phil Jackson or something like that. And he just said, am I going to be mad at Travis Schlink when he fires me? Absolutely not. That guy gave me my first big opportunity and I'm, he's, he's, you know, basically my best friend. 
Um, so that was an interesting per- perspective. I think that perspective from Coach Pierce didn't always rub fans the right way. Uh, Coach Pierce said multiple times that, you know, this is just basketball. Does he have pressure on him? He would often say, no, I don't have any pressure on me. This is just basketball. There's a lot more bigger things that are going on in the world that need to be worried about that I can that can cause real stress in this basketball. It's just basketball, and we're playing at a high level, and we're playing in the NBA. But at the end of the day, it's just basketball, and that's not something that fans usually want to hear. Um, so it, I am sad to see uh, Coach Pierce go. I thought he was – very straightforward and a guy who wanted the best from all his players. And um, it'll be interesting to see where the Hawks go at the end of this season. If Nate McMillan is able to get the team turned around and in the playoffs, and if he has a chance to win the job or if the Hawks go have a full search and ultimately decide on someone new. But the one thing I will say that you kind of can tell from Nate McMillan has coached now four games for the Hawks. Uh, Three of those were while Lloyd Pierce was away um, for the birth of his second child, the only the biggest difference is just when Nate McMillan calls timeouts. I think he's a little quicker to call timeouts than Pierce ever was, and it, I wonder if that's just ex- experience. You know, him being in the league for as long as he has been. It was funny in his introduction um, to the media where he was getting questions from them. Somebody talked about how uh, Nate McMillan coached Patrick Ewan in uh, Seattle, so. Nate McMillan has a lot of experience to draw on. He's coached a lot of players. He he also drew comparison to what Trey's going through, to what Victor Oladipo had to do as a pacer. So I think he will be a, a good voice for the Hawks in the locker room. But he was very adamant that this is not why he came to Atlanta. He didn't come to Atlanta to ultimately unseat Lloyd Pierce. And he really, when he was asked what he told the players when this had happened, he said, this is a reflection of all of us. And part of the reason that coach Pierce is fired is because of the play of all of, you know, because of the entire team. And it wasn't just Lloyd Pierce and that Lloyd Pierce took the hit for the poor play of the team so far. Um, and that, that quote about taking the hit for Lloyd Pierce going was, uh, echoed by a lot of the players when they were asked about the dismissal of Lloyd Pierce. But, um, I thought Lloyd Pierce was a solid coach. It was his first time head coach in the NBA. I think he'll be back, but, uh, you know, now it's, this was if this was if the Hawks wanted to change coaches, this was the time to do it. They were on a downswing, um, and it just wasn't working. And this was an easy time to be able to fire your head coach. And um, as as Atlanta fans, I think after seeing what happened with Dan Quinn, I'm always going to be uh, on the mark of you know if you want to fire a coach, fire him early. Do not wait for him to mess up again or something like that. Like fire him early, get a new coach, get the coach you want, and move on. So. Um, I think the Hawks will continue to, to grow as a team and continue to get better. They just have a, too many young players and too many good, young, talented young players to not. But uh, hopefully this will spark some uh, change in the Hawks and be able to uh, get them to get into the playoffs. But for one game, it looks like it worked. The Hawks were able to pull out a game that was on the road in the fourth quarter, and we'll see how Coach Nate McMillan does going forward. But. Um, definitely wanted to address the dismissal of Lloyd Pierce, and that's just some of my thoughts on how the Hawks handled that. Thank you for catching this episode of the KettleCast. You can reach me at kettlecast at gmail.com. Go Hawks!